It's the 17th of May. It's Thursday, the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. In the year of our salvation, 2007. And this is Father Z with another podcast. With us in our podcast today is St. Augustine of Hippo, who is going to be talking to us about the Ascension of the Lord. Also, I have some comments about a cardinal who spoke at the big Latin American conference going on right now about the modu proprio and the de-restriction of the older form of mass. is a selection from St. Augustine of Hippo's sermon number 263a. Now the dating of this sermon is very uncertain. Different scholars have offered a range of dates. Uh, And this is made more complicated. The dating is made more complicated by the fact that the sermon might actually have been split off in the manuscript tradition from another sermon on the Ascension. Uh, In fact, the the sermon that we hear part of today has several versions and variations. So it's really very difficult to uh, draw a circle around this this uh, this sermon and situate it within the life, uh, the long life and career of Saint Augustine. There are a few things to listen for in the excerpt of this sermon. Uh, First, listen closely to how Augustine emphasizes the unity of Christ with us, his members. See, a body has a unity. The head is unified with the members. And therefore, where Christ is, we are. That means that after the ascension, our humanity, we, every one of us, we are sitting with Christ at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But of course, this works the other way around, too. Where we are, Christ is. And as a consequence of this, Christ is one with us in all things, all our experiences. Not because we can share in his divinity, but because he has taken up our humanity. Now listen also to how Augustine hints that in the life to come, Uh, when we attain the fullness of what Christ has promised, our bodies will be entirely different from the bodies we have now. Uh, We will not, as Augustine puts it, be able to wear out. So let's move right into this excerpt from Augustine of Hippo's sermon number 263a, which is used in the Office of Readings for today, Ascension Thursday. Ex sermonibus sancti Augustini Episcopi. Hodie Dominus noster Jesus Christus ascendit in celum, ascendat cum illo cor nostrum. 
audiamus apostolum dicentem, si consurrexistis cum Christo que sursum sunt sapite, ubi Christus est in dexter dei sedens, que sursum sunt querite, non que superteram. Sicut enim ille ascendit, nec recessit ad abis, sicut nos cumilo ibi iam sumus, quam vis non dum incorpore nostro factum sit quod promitit nobis. Ille iam exaltatus est supercelos, patitur tamen interis quid quid laborum nos tamquam eus membra sentimus. Cuire i testimonium per hibuit de superclamans, Saule, Saule, quid me persequeris, et es surivi et dedistis mihi manducare. Cunonetiam nos ita laboramus in terris, ut perfidem spem caritatem qua ili connectimur, iam cum illo requiescamus in celis. Ile, cum ili est, et de our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into hellos, let our hearts ascend with him. Let us listen to the Apostle when he says, If you have risen together with Christ, savor the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Seek the things that are above, not those that are on earth. Just as he ascended, you see, and still didn't depart from us, so we too are now there with him, although what is promised us hasn't yet come about in our bodies. He has already been exalted above the heavens, and yet he suffers on earth whatever hardships we experience as his members. It was to this truth he bore witness when he cried out from on high, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. Why should we too not endure hardships on earth in such a way that we take our rest with him in heaven through faith, hope, charity, by which we are joined to him? He, while he is there, is also with us, and we, while we are here, are also with him. That's true of him in both his divinity and his power and his love, while as for us, even if we cannot make it true with divinity, we can make it true with love, provided it is love for him. He didn't depart from heaven when he came down to us from there, nor did he depart from us when he ascended to heaven again. I mean, that he was still there while he was here. He declares himself like this. Nobody, he says, has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. He didn't say, the Son of Man who will be in heaven, but the Son of Man who is in heaven. But that he is with us even while he is there is something he promised before he ascended when he said, Behold, I am with you right up to the consummation of the world. We, for our part, are there in our names, since he said himself, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Although with our bodies and our toil we are wearing out the earth, and are being worn out by the earth. But when after the resurrection of the body we begin to share his glory, our bodies won't be inhabiting these mortal things around us, nor our feelings be attached to them. The one who holds the first fruits of our spirit is gathering everything up from here. 
nor, for that matter, should we find it a reason to despair of attaining a perfect dwelling place in heaven with the angels, that he said, Nobody has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. He does, it is true, seem to be speaking about himself alone, as though none of us would be able to achieve that. But it was said because of the unity by which he is our head and we his body. So it does indeed mean nobody but himself, because we too are himself in so far as he is the Son of Man because of us, and we are sons of God because of him. That indeed is what the Apostle says, for just as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so too it is with Christ. He didn't say, so it is with Christ, but so too it is with Christ. So Christ is many members, one body. And so he came down from heaven out of mercy, and none went up to heaven but he himself, since we are in him by grace. And thus it is that none but Christ descended, none but Christ ascended. Not because of the worth of the head would he be compromised by the body, but because the unity of the body could not be separated from the head. Nam quia ibi erat, cum hic eset, ita ipse testatur, nemo inquit ascendit in celum nisi qui de cello descendit, bilius hominis, qui est in cello. Hoc dictum est propter unitatem, quia caput nostrum est, et nos corpus eius. Hoc ergo nemo nisi ipse, quia et nos ipse secundum idquod ipse filius hominis propter nos, et nos dei fili propter ipsum. Ita quippe apostolus dicit, sicut enim corpus unum est, et membra habet multa, omnia autem corporis membra, cum sint multa, unum est corpus ita et Christus. Non ait ita Christus, sed ait ita et Christus. Christus ergo membra multa unum corpus. Descendit itque de celo per misericordiam, nec ascendit nisi ipse, cum et nos in ipso per gratiam. Ac per hoc non nisi Christus descendit, nec nisi Christus ascendit. Non con capitis dinitas confundatur in corpore sed con corporis unitas, non separetur a capite. That was an excerpt from Augustine of Hippo's Sermon Number 263a on the Ascension of the Lord. Now let's go back and make some connections here. I want to return to, uh, for example, that point about the dating of the sermon. I said 
uh, in the introduction part that we don't really know the date of the sermon and a range of dates have been proposed by scholars. But I'm going to employ uh, an entirely unscientific method but using something uh, internal to the sermon itself. Uh, first of all, there's the style of it, just the way that Augustine actually talks. To me, it's, it gives me the impression of his earlier sermons rather than his later sermons when Augustine was a little mellower. Of course, you know, he had a long career. He lived to be quite an old man on ancient, in ancient terms. On the other hand, he also talks about our bodies wearing out. And so if we can crawl into Augustine's mind for a moment, let's say that maybe Augustine is starting to feel the aches and pains of age. Maybe he's starting to feel that his body doesn't want to do what it used to be able to do. And, you know, of course, you know, the ancient world was pretty tough on people's bodies, but Augustine seems to have been pretty tough and he had a long life. So I'm going to use that to balance it out with, you know, life as it is today and maybe put Augustine in his 40s, maybe 40 to 45 years old when he's starting to feel, you know, this middle age and maybe that his body isn't, you know, quite the way it used to be, you know, something that becomes very apparent to us after a while. And because Augustine was born in 354, um, putting him in his 40s, I'm going to say that this, let's, let's put this sermon somewhere around, you know, 395 to 400, sometime in there. Okay, so that's my unscientific method of dating it, but it uses a little internal evidence and a certain knowledge of how Augustine talks. Another thing, too, uh, in this, you know, our faith tells us that Christ is present to our sufferings. And this is something that Augustine emphasizes in the sermon. As a result, we can endure a great deal uh, because of our faith. For example, the martyrs, they endured terrors that we really can't imagine. Uh, as I sit here right now, I can look out my window and I can see the dome of the church of St. Agnes that's in the Piazza Novona. It was the, probably the place of her martyrdom. And uh, you know, we can think about how her faith in Christ strengthened her. This is a little girl, and she endured horrors and death rather than give in to what she knew was wrong. So Christ, in very dramatic ways, can is with us in our our sufferings, the most terrible sufferings that human beings can endure. But Christ is united with us in all our human experience, all our sufferings, not just the dramatic ones that people can experience, but also in our little aches and pains, even in the aches and pains of our bodies wearing out, as Augustine was talking about in the sermon. Christ is united to us and united to our pains and all of our joys and so forth, but we also have uh, the opportunity to unite our pains and our joys and all of our experience to him. And this is especially uh, useful in terms of our sufferings and our pains and our anxieties and all of our difficult experiences of life. We can unite them to him. As a matter of fact, his suffering and then his rising is ultimately the only thing that gives meaning to our own troubles and our own sufferings and ordeals. Now you've maybe heard on these podcasts how I have compared Augustine's vision of Christ himself as 
Christ the head of the body, uh, Christ the body, and then Christus totus, the whole, the Christ whole and entire. And you've probably heard me talk about this as a paradigm for how we can participate at Holy Mass, indeed how we must participate at Mass. Christ the head is in the person of the priest, Christ the body is in the body of the congregation, but together they are whole and entire. They are different but united. Now during Holy Mass, we bring all that we are to the sacred action. We bring all of our sufferings. And as members of the body, uh, united to the action of the head, uh, united to to actually what the priest is doing, all that we are can be transformed in that sacred action. All of our pains, our sufferings, our anxieties can be transformed. In the Incarnation, Christ took our humanity into an indestructible bond with his divinity. It can't ever be torn apart. And so he transformed our humanity in his death and in his resurrection. It was elevated. And symbolically, during Holy Mass, we see this happen. For example, in the moment when the priest, Christ the head, is preparing the chalice. The priest recites a prayer which comes from St. Ambrose, and he he puts little droplets of water, symbolizing our humanity, into the chalice to be mingled with the wine, which is a symbol of the divine nature. And so those little drops of water, in other words, our humanity, our experiences, are taken into the wine and transformed. And then, of course, uh, the wine and the water mingled together are raised up. They ascend up to a new height in the consecration. They are taken up. Everything is taken up and transformed. So perhaps you, as a member of Christ's body, or perhaps if you're priests out there, um, as Christ the head, what you can do is you can take all of your difficulties in this moment when the priest is preparing the chalice at the offertory, and like those little drops of water, you can put them into the chalice. Put all your sufferings, all your joys, all your difficulties, your petitions, everything you have, into that chalice, uniting your actions with the priest's actions. Those drops of water mingled with the wine are like everything that we are being transformed because Christ is present in our lives. He is not separated from us. He has not gone away from us. And one day, one day it will come that we will be lifted up finally, truly, really with the Father and the Holy Spirit uh, in Christ and with Christ. In the first letter of Peter 
15, we hear, be prepared to give reasons, or in another version, be prepared to make defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. And so we really need to know the content of our faith in order to give an account for it, right? If people ask us, or if they're curious about it, we have to be able to explain things. We have to be able to speak clearly. And I don't just mean to talk about things that you can memorize, uh, things that you've memorized and you can therefore repeat, like formulas. The content of our faith is also expressed using formulas. But these formulas were developed by very wise and very prayerful people, mainly fathers of the church, and then also councils and the teaching of the magisterium clarified things and boiled things down to things we can, we can memorize quickly and then repeat. But that was only possible after long contemplation contemplation of the truth of the real content of the faith who is christ himself he is the real content of our faith and of all the things that we can learn and memorize and we must know and love christ and make him known and loved and we can use formulas to do that but remember these formulas in the deeper sense of knowing aren't where we should just remain because we can't have a relationship with an abstraction or a formula. We can only have a relationship with a person. So by all means, we have to study and learn, but we have to take time also to listen to and get to know Christ and speak with him. We see we can't speak to formulas. We have to get to know him through all the things we study. I mean, that takes time. And the problem is that many people stop learning even the things that we can study at a fairly early age. We have to keep learning and studying and so forth, not because the content uh, that we're studying changes. It's not a moving target. The mysteries of Christ's life and the history of our salvation that we can read about, those things aren't changing. But we have to keep working on this all the time throughout all our life, because we change. As a matter of fact, every year uh, in the liturgical year, we see the whole life of Christ laid out before us and the history of salvation. And the Holy Church does this not because those mysteries are changing, but because we are changing. Every year we are a little different. We can appreciate and grasp more and more in the things that we learn. Uh, our relationship can deepen because our understanding and appreciation of the content deepens because of our own experience. Because remember, it's a personal relationship that we can have with the faith. And so if we simply consider the mystery of the ascension and its promise that one day we too will be bodily present before the Father, as we get older and we begin sensing even more and more and more this longing for the fulfillment of that promise, uh, probably because we are coping in a different way each year with our fear of death, which, as St. Augustine calls it, our daily winter. See, as we get older and, and life moves on, we will appreciate even the mystery of the ascension and all the mysteries of the Lord a little bit more deeply. It's a relationship with a person that we have at the foundation of all the things that we can learn, memorize, and then repeat to others when we are called to account for the hope and the faith that is in us.
Yeah, the music you're hearing there in the background is something I heard uh, last night as I took a walk down to the uh, the Campo de Fiori, which was the place, once upon a time, the place of public execution. Now it's a square where a lot of people uh, tend to gather and walk around in the evening. There's this wonderful little combo that goes around the edges and plays at some of the restaurants and bars around the edge. These guys, are they, they've really got games. So I, I just turned on my little, uh, little recorder and captured some of their sound. But one of the reasons why I like this is because the music... Music is this, you know, Brazilian stuff. This bossa nova that I played the other day when the Pope was in Brazil. Well, this is uh, what they're playing. Now, of course, you know the Holy Father went to Brazil and he came back to Rome. He went down there to inaugurate the meeting of the Salem, which is all the different bishops' conferences of Latin America and the Caribbean, all meeting together, and it goes on for a couple weeks. And it's very, very important. We should be paying attention to this meeting. It wasn't just important because the Pope went there. Even as it goes on, there are important things that come out of it. Because, remember, the demographics of the world have shifted. Uh, the church in the Latin America and in the South, in Africa, basically in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, the population of the church has shifted to the South. And so this is really our future that we're dealing with here. So anyway, uh, Cardinal Castrion Hoyos, who is now president of the Pontifical Commission Ecclesia Dei, I used to work for uh, years ago, he uh, gave a report to the conference, uh, to the Salem, what, of what is going on with Ecclesia Dei, what it is, what they're doing. And among the other things that uh, his eminence spoke about was that the Holy Father does, in fact, intend to de-restrict the older form of Mass. He talked about it very explicitly. He said, The Holy Father intends to extend to the whole Latin Church the possibility of celebrating Mass and the sacraments according to the liturgical books promulgated by Blessed John the Twenty Third in 1962. So, a couple things come out of this. First of all, it's more than Mass. It's all the sacraments. Also, it's... Once again, it's the 1962 edition that they're talking about. Not some other edition. They're talking about 1962. And Cardinal uh, Castrian also added that the time has come uh, to facilitate access to this liturgy, making it an extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, which leads us to understand that the Novus Ordo will be the ordinary form of the Roman Rite and the older form will be the extraordinary form. Uh, we've heard uh, Cardinal Hoyos talk about, Castrian Hoyos talk about uh, this document before and that it's going to happen. We've heard it from Cardinal Bertone. We heard about it from Cardinal Walter Kasper uh, when he was asked by a group, a Jewish group, you know, whether or not there are problems because of the prayers of Good Friday and all that. And, you know, Cardinal Kasper said, this is a done deal. It's going to happen. So we know that this is going to take place. We just don't know when. But it's I, I find it very interesting that um, Cardinal uh, Castrione gave this report to the whole Salem conference. It's very interesting that uh, the Holy Father should make sure that this um, this big meeting has been apprised of the situation in a formal way. It's like the Holy Father is covering all of his bases. He's making sure that all of the pieces are in place so that when it finally happens, it won't be a surprise to anyone. Everyone will have been formally apprised of the situation and uh, that way it will be uh, possible to integrate this more irenically back into the life of the church. 
As a matter of fact, Cardinal Costrian was took great pains to talk about the reintegration back into the whole ecclesial life of South America of this of a diocese in South America of Campos, which is now uh, contributing priests to other places. Uh, at the request of bishops uh, for the celebrations of the older form of mass. And the very point is that there are side-by-side -side, uh, communities that are using both the older form of mass and the newer form of mass, and they're getting along. It's peaceful. It's irrenic. And this is something uh, that I believe the Holy Father is really aiming at. It's not just it's not just to facilitate the re-entry back into the church of the Fairbrights and all that. It's something much deeper. Disilluso d'amor vuol nell'ombra cantar una muta fontana e un balcone lassù o chitarra romana accompagnami tu With that I'm going to wrap it up here we are in Rome. It's uh, getting down in the second half of May already. I'll be going back to the Sabine Farm sometime in the beginning of June, so my days are counting down, and they're really getting busy. So many people are coming to Rome, and it's nice to see everyone, uh, but it sure does, you know, it fills up the schedule, and it keeps me constantly in motion, constantly in motion. Uh, I'm very happy for the feedback that you've been sending me. I've been getting messages, comments on the blog, and also email messages from you about uh, these podcasts. I'm very grateful because... You know, it takes a little bit of work to make them, and it's nice to know that people actually listen to them and benefit from them. As a matter of fact, I am thinking that I should, uh, should get myself a virtual phone number, uh, and uh, you could call into that number, one in the United States and one in perhaps uh, the UK, where you could call in and leave voicemails, audios that I could uh, integrate into these podcasts. What do you think about that? Is that a good idea? Uh, drop me a note if you think uh, that it might be uh, a useful thing and that you would actually use it. And this is Father Z signing off. Come and visit us at the blog, wdtprs.com, and I hope you and yours are healthy and happy. Accompagnami tu